Golden Edge, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. What is up, everyone? Golden Edge podcast time. Once again, it's the offseason, but not for us and not for you. I know you're very, very interested in what is going on with the Golden Knights, so we are here to update you on all things happening in the offseason. Adam Hill, Ben Goats here with you. As we said, Golden Edge podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for doing it each and every time you do so. Share it, like it, comment, subscribe, whatever you do, where you find your podcast. Just keep it going. Keep finding us. Uh, with these Golden Edge podcasts. And don't forget, Golden Edge podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Stations Casinos. So we appreciate them and we appreciate you. It is that time, Ben, to jump right into the Golden Knights offseason. And for you, I mean, I didn't ask you how you're doing because I know how you're doing. You're great because you were at the award show last night. Oh, uh, all the stars were out. You know, Alex Trebek, I saw Alex Trebek. We was like five feet from me. Looks good, by the way, yeah. uh, in remission currently. Looking good, pretty good. Good to hear. Jeopardy James was there. You know, Jeopardy, you know, we could do the whole podcast on Jeopardy James. I, I'm obsessed with Jeopardy James as a Jeopardy contestant. Fascinating. His awkwardness is also very fascinating to me. I find him just endearing because he's so self-deprecating and also because he changed his profile picture to Weird Al Yankovic's iconic music video, I Lost on Jeopardy. I saw that immediately endeared me to him he was there john ham was there of course got keenan thompson doing bits on the mandalay bay event center stage well you didn't get to the biggest celebrity yet now that you mentioned keenan where do they find kel i don't know that was awesome what has he been doing but hey we did they got john krasinski and jenna fisher uh, via skype to do some bits for the opening video that was awesome to see jim and pam fight Jim just eating peanut butter on his couch, lamenting the Bruins' loss in the final. I will also say that uh, Jim bringing Roy to Game 7 Epic move. is one of the greatest Epic troll, troll jobs job. in, in sports history. I was blown away. It backfired. Like, no, I don't hard. think it did. I mean, they lost. I don't think it had anything to do with the loss. I don't know. It's tempting fate. You don't. He was treading on very dangerous ground. I'm, I'm just happy to see Jim and Roy able to hang out, bury the hatchet, be friends again. No pepper spray involved, hopefully. We're very much in the weeds of the office right now, but that's okay. That's uh, The office was a big storyline uh, in the in the finals. But yeah, a, a fun award show last night. Maybe not the best for Mark Stone, though. The, the VGK star, one of the, or really the only nominee for a major award last night from the Golden Knights, did not come through. He did not win the Selkie, did not break the streak for wingers not winning, but Certainly a fantastic defensive season for Mark Stone, one of the best defensive forwards in the league. Certainly he was voted number two. Yeah, I mean, he led the league in takeaways with 122. That's the fourth highest total in history. And even if he didn't break the winger drought, he was still the first winger to be nominated or be a finalist since 2007. He finished the highest anyone has ever finished as the runner-up since 2003. And so I think it was still a good showing from him in an award that's really tough for wingers to crack just because, I mean, centers are just considered the position that requires more two-way play. They obviously take face-offs. And honestly, he lost to a pretty good player in Ryan O'Reilly, who was having just an incredible week. Best week ever? Probably. He was like over the moon uh, at the podium after winning that award. I mean, he's got a fantastic beard. He already had that going for him, but I still want to point it out. Uh, helps the Blues win the Stanley Cup after scoring goals in like four straight final games, which is 
incredible. And uh, he got out of Buffalo. Got out of Buffalo. <laughs> well, that was this week, but certainly that's After nice. legit saying I was starting to lose my love of hockey playing in <laughs> Buffalo. So sad. It was real sad, but it's a good turnaround story. Uh, wins the Conn Smythe as playoff MVP, and then, of course, wins the Selkie Trophy. Uh, so I think it's hard to argue that Ryan O'Reilly wasn't deserving. I mean, he's certainly an incredible player. But he did have a lot of high praise for Mark Stone afterwards, so I think we should listen into that right now. You see what he does on the ice, he dramatically affects the game, and, and it's extremely tough to play against him. Yeah. Both ends of the ice, he, he makes an impact. Uh, yeah, obviously, the, the trend is, is to be a center sport, but, you know, he's rightfully deserving to be um, there as well. You know, he's an amazing player, and like I said before, but yeah, he's one of those guys you admire watching or playing against. It's, it's tough, you know, it's going to be difficult. So there's Ryan O'Reilly on Mark Stone, and we have certainly sung the praises of Mark Stone since he came over uh, mid-season. You got to see kind of up close. Everybody, you know, knows the reputation and sees the stats and everything else. But I think seeing him day to day at practice, and um, you know, just every night as he goes out and competes and does what he does out on the ice, uh, we were all very impressed. I, I think with um, even more so than just him on paper, uh, just what he does and how he contributes to a game, and he'll be here. We think uh, for a long time here in Las Vegas for the fans to appreciate his two-way game. And maybe he will even break that drought for wingers at some point win- winning the Selkie in one of these years. I would think so at some point. I mean, he's clearly got a ton of respect from the voters. So we have to get to some of the other just random Knights voting bits from last night, which I found a lot of these hilarious. But I mean, to start with, Mark Stone finished 12th in the heart voting. So he's the 12th uh finished 12th for MVP. Marc-Andre Fleury finished 17th, but clearly Stone is obviously thought of really highly by the uh, voting public if he's finishing 12th, you know, considered the 12th best player in the league. Uh, Fleury finished 4th in the Vesna voting also for best goaltender, which is a career high for him. Still has never been a Vesna finalist in his career, which is fascinating for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. But this year, of all the years, being his best finish is very bizarre. Uh, Flurry obviously had a good season, but it was not a great season. I mean, his goals against average and his save percentage were kind of middle of the pack for his career, and he certainly had that cold stretch uh, about yeah. the second third of the season where he had a lot of rough starts in a row, finished very well. But it was a it was weird to see him finish that high. Well, I think we know how voting works in in all the major sports, and this is no different. This is this is a um his wins were very impressive because he played a lot and you know for much of the year he was leading the league in in minutes played and uh right up there in wins so i mean that was that was part of it and i think it's a reward for last season i mean he wasn't really as good of a season as he had he missed half the year with injury so he wasn't really you know maybe as high as he could have finished if he would have been able to play the whole year so it's kind of a reward for that and you know kind of paying him back for uh for what happened last season so i I mean i think we see those things happen all the time in voting but it is very interesting that if you look at his numbers on paper i don't think if it's if his name's not mark andre Fleury, i don't think he's finishing fourth in the business yeah probably not some other voting notes uh, william carlson finished 17th for the selkie i think you know that sounds about right i would not be surprised if he becomes a bigger candidate for that award moving forward in his career he's very good defensively 
And then the Lady Bing voting, which is the weirdest award of the night because uh, the best description I can apply to it is like most gentlemanly player. Yeah. Nicest person. Exactly. It's just a weird, weird award. You would be a Lady Bing finalist, probably. I would hope so. Yeah. You know, I would respect uh, my fellow competitors on the ice. I'd be like Marcus Stroman if anyone saw him, uh, you know, trolling Mike Trout by offering him compliments. Uh, the other day from the mound. That was good, great. Good way to try. Sounds it. like what I would do. Um, but uh, Alex Tuck, Nate Schmidt, William Carlson, Pierre Edward Belmar, and Mark Andre Fleury all got votes for this. Uh, Nate Schmidt, it's hilarious to me that people would try to vote him in for this. I get that he's a nice guy and he's super great with us, the media. He got suspended for 20 games. True. I know that there's a lot of debate and fans probably have opinions on whether that was deserved or not. But the fact of the matter is, for a guy who got suspended 20 games to be up for a sportsmanship award, pretty funny. That also might be a commentary on how people feel about the testing program. I don't think people are thinking that deeply about it. I think they're going like, Nate Schmidt, nice guy. Nice guy. We'll put him there. Now, there should be like an opposite of the lady being like jerk. I would love that. Jerk. Then I would at least have a chance to have a hockey award that I could win. It would be a great avenue for uh, more Ryan Reeves, Evander Kane trash talking as they try to one up each other to win that award. I feel like, I mean, Kane might be up there, but I feel like Reeves, I don't think fighting makes you a jerk. No, but I think he's he would, would lean into that if there was an award True for that. Ryan Reeves knows how to put on a show for us, so I think he would very much lean into being the heel and try to, you know, get some award it recognition. Would, it would be tough to be Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. It would be. It would be He's got tough. such a lead at this point, <laughs> yeah. an incredible lead. He would. He would have like a dynasty on the award. That would be awesome. It would. I, I th- I they would, would name do. the award after him. It would be the Tom Wilson. I don't know what the opposite of the lady Tom Wilson trophy. I guess whatever Lady Bing's husband was. Like he was probably a real jerk. I don't know who Lady Bing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough. Gentleman my history, Bing. My history. Yeah. So we can we can we can figure that out at some point. Uh, what the award will be, but we need to come up with an award for the biggest jerk. Oh, also uh, with the lady big, uh, Mark Andre Fleury got votes. Uh, remember his whole ice wall fiasco where that was technically like illegal. And that's true. I know that it's like very it minor. Was very funny. It was very it was hilarious for a joke there. But I think you're right. I don't know that. I think he was like it was a joke, but he kind of hoped it worked. Oh, he definitely was hoping that it worked. Right. So that's like all right. He like actively tried to flout the rules like. Once again, Mark Andre Fleury, super nice guy. Like uh, even around town, uh, I have witnessed him doing some very nice things this off season. Really? Yes. Uh, but you know, tried to tried to circumvent the rules there a little bit. I'm just saying, Lady Bing voters, let's pay attention. I, I think your your critique of the Lady Bing voters and them not paying enough attention to what's going on is. I think that's that's next level analysis for uh, the co- for coming years. Yeah, you, you should you should actually make like a Lady Bing watch and make sure that everybody knows like, hey, these things are happening. Like, don't vote for these people. The problem is, is I'm probably you know when I vote next year, people are then going to like heavily dissect my picks, and I totally understand voters being like, I have no idea what this award is. I would much rather break down who's the best defenseman than. Who's the most gentlemanly player? I think that's much more important. I think it's, I think you're going. You know, and the on a on a serious note, like, not it's not serious. I guess one of the things that kind of was hinted at at times this season 
was that the Golden Knights were too nice. Like there, there was not that polarizing figure in the locker room that James Neal kind of provided. Not that he's a jerk, but that he was kind of the sandpaper of like, hey, guys, not everything is going well. And I'm stealing that phrase from somebody, but not everything's going well right now. Like, let's go. And and the guy that kind of was the, you know, the the voice of like the toughness of, you know, hey, not everybody can be friends all the time and be happy and joyful. Like there's got to be somebody uh, to to be that jerk and to like get in everybody's face. And the Golden Knights might not have had that necessarily. And now they've got, f- what, five guys finishing in the voting for Lady Bing? Yeah, Pierre Edward Belmar. First place vote. So shout out to whoever really liked the, how Belmar conducts himself. He is a very nice person. He was very nice when he came in with us. Absolutely. That was cool. So, uh, yeah, that that we that is now next year. That's the most important award. We are focused on Awards that watch. For the, whole, for the whole season. That's going to be a running... Uh, a running watch here on the podcast, I think, uh, monitoring who the nicest players are in the league for who's going to be there for the Lady Bing. Well, the awards are done. That means it's time to move on to off-season things that will actually affect next year. The awards are kind of like the official ending of last season. You had the Stanley Cup final. You know, they celebrate with the trophy and the Blues get to go party and drink, including David Prawn shirtless in a club, which is still hilarious. Here for it. Uh, so that's done. And then the awards kind of wrap up the season and now it is right into next season. And that starts with the draft. So the golden Knights preparing for the draft up in Vancouver. Round one is Friday. The rest of the draft two through seven on Saturday, uh, nine picks for the golden Knights and maybe more depending on what kind of, um, you know, wheeling and dealing is done in the next, you know, 24 to 48 hours. So, um, and we are taping this on Thursday with the draft Friday, uh, Knights, as we said, nine picks, all in the first five rounds. So it's going to be a lot of activity for the Golden Knights here as they look to the future. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how much maneuvering they do around the board because nine picks is a lot. Now they're still trying to build out the depth of their farm system. But I'm interested if they try to package some of those picks. All of them are in the first five rounds to try to move up to get someone that they're really targeting. Obviously, this is also the time where you really have to look, are they going to trade any guys on their NHL roster to free up cap room? Is this the time a Colin Miller or a Cody Eakin looks to get moved? Or perhaps someone else? We know they're in a cap crunch. They're already projected to be over the cap, and the cap might even be less than we were projecting. Everyone said $83 million basically for the entirety of 2019. And then all of a sudden this past week, there are rumblings out of the Board of Governors meeting. Uh, maybe it'll be more like 82 81 and a half and yeah. if you're the knights and you're already like up against the limit that's huge if you lose out on an extra like million dollars of space to try to get a william carlson re-signed try to get an akita gusev who's also a restricted free agent uh re-signed or you've got unrestricted free agents like Derek angland pierre edward belmar and ryan carpenter and it's especially fascinating to me now that uh kevin hayes has signed with the Philadelphia Flyers for $7.1 million a year. Setting the market. Because if you're William Carlson or William Carlson's agent, you are now rubbing your hands and saying, well, we're definitely asking for $7 million a year minimum. That's a second-line center. And that's really going to put the Golden Knights in a bind this weekend if that's what it's going to take to retain William Carlson. So we'll see how much maneuvering they do in this draft. If they stay at 17, which is where they're projected to pick in the first round, there's a number of different directions I could see him going. Uh, our colleague Dave Shane will actually be in Vancouver, so make sure to follow him at, at David Shane LVRJ on nice, Twitter. Nice plug. 
I know. I got to give a shout out to our guy. He's literally like he went to Vancouver in June, which I can't imagine is a fun trip. So he deserves. Oh, you are incorrect about that, my friend. Okay, Van- June is the perfect time to go to Vancouver. The weather is fabulous. It's it's an incredible city. First of all, I'll, I'll even I'll go there in December, even when it's snowing in June. It's the best time of year there. All right. Well, I uh, I will. I'm I will wrong. You're going on vacation to Kansas City. I have no regrets about that. <laughs> you're going to rip on Vancouver in June. That's a great time. All right. Well, I I hope Dave enjoys. This is unacceptable. I'm taking my Lady Bing vote away from you. (laughs) You are not. You are not allowed to determine. I've never been there. I don't know. Yeah. You. You should need. You definitely need to go. And I would highly recommend going in June. I think that's why the draft is there. Everybody wants to go there in June. It's perfect. It's a lovely time of year up there. I. I can't even. I can't even deal with this nonsense with you right now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the I don't know why. I don't even know options. that. First of all, that was way excessive. I didn't know how to transition, and I just said that. I don't even know what's going on. Vancouver's just a very nice place. In Vancouver, Europe. clearly very nice place. Yes. I am He's apparently definitely like, extremely wrong. Definitely hit a, hit a sore subject. I really did. <laughs> it's, it's a great town. Dave's uh, there. I hope he enjoys it. Uh, interested to see what he reports on uh, this weekend. Like I said, they got a lot of options at seventeen. Uh, the most hilarious ones to me are one, uh, the top goaltender of this draft. His name is Spencer Knight. The puns write themselves. Uh, it's a question of one, whether he gets to 17 because he's kind of the top ranked goalie in this class. And then two, do you actually draft a goalie that high? Uh, it's obviously a very mental position. It's really hard to project how yeah. guys are going to handle adversity and stuff. And you literally just look at the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Jordan Bennington of the St. Louis Blues went through waivers twice yeah not once but twice every team in the nhl had a chance to take jordan bennington and they passed so it's an incredibly hard position to project so it's a huge risk if you try to draft a goalie in the first round uh also available uh ryan suzuki if that name sounds familiar his brother nick suzuki was one of the golden knights uh first round draft picks two years ago and then got traded in the max patch deal so it'd be Real rough for that family to see George McPhee's name on the caller ID again, but I would just find taking that him hilarious. To, to trade him? What are you doing? It, it would be uh, that would be very interesting, and 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 I think it's it's what you look at is hey, there's a ton of guys in, and it's so difficult to project how the NHL draft is going to go. I think you try to look more at what the needs are and where what areas you think the Knights are going to draft in. Uh, I expect them to go fairly forward heavy because I you know as much as you know the blue line is a need uh, at the NHL level. They've got a ton of of talent and depth coming up uh, with defensemen in the system. Forwards they are set for the next couple of years uh, with their forwards, but you need developmental guys as well coming up. So I would expect to go forward. And goalie is certainly an area of need. I mean, right now Flurry is getting older. He's you know thirty four going on thirty five, and Subban's a restricted free agent. They've got some talent that they like. In the system, but I would expect them to to add a goaltender to the mix, and then, uh, as I said, look at forwards. But I think I think with the draft, with the way the, their NHL roster is set, especially with all the young talent, they really can can afford to go for just best player available. Yeah, and I think that's what they should do. I mean, we've already seen it happen with the Knights: is you take the best player available, you try to build their value, and then you try to get something out of that in whatever way you can. Yeah. So for the Knights already, we've seen them you know, take Eric Brandstrom and take, you know, Nick Suzuki. And even though they didn't play a game for them in the NHL, they got value out of those picks because they developed them and other teams coveted those assets and then gave up good players 
to get them from the Knights. So we could see them do that again, even though they are fairly stacked on the blue line, at least at the AHL level. I could still see them taking like a Thomas Harley, who's projected to go kind of around where the Knights are picking. He's a really good offensive defenseman that's uh, 17 years old right now. Or there's a guy like Peyton Krebs, who would be a forward that I think could work for them. He's a little bit smaller, but I like his game. He got hurt at the end of the year, so that's going to make it tough to project him. He was also on a really, really bad juniors team, which makes it tough to project how he would do with you know more competent players. Uh, sorry to uh, the Western Hockey League's uh, Kootenay team. I don't even think I uh, pronounced that right. But I could see either of those two guys as potentially fits for are those, the Golden Knights. Are those Minnesota guys? Yeah. Whenever I, you're pitching guys, I just assume they're Minnesota guys. I think they're uh, both from Canada. Okay. Well, that's basically just northern. I know. Harley's from Syracuse. Northern no Minnesota. Oh, maybe there's a Alex Tuck connection there, too. There you go. We'll, so we'll monitor what they're doing in the draft. But I think uh, a far more pressing note for fans right now, because draft, you know, the NHL draft is different than – um, than football or or basketball in that it's more like baseball where you're going to draft guys that maybe are on your team three, four, five years from now, even more than that. Uh, so people are very interested right now in what how the roster is going to shake out, what they're going to do in free agency, because there's not really a whole lot of options right now. As we said, they thought the cap was going to be around 83.1. It looks like it might be around even as low as 81.5. If it is up around 82.1 or so like that, that 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 little bit of money actually does make a big difference when Huge. you're trying to uh, figure out exactly how to navigate things. So there's lots of rumors out there of potential trades for the Golden Knights to clear up some cap space. Colin Miller has certainly been talked about for much of the offseason, as has Cody Eakin, a guy who makes money, but you're not really sure where he fits coming off a really, really good season. You would expect him to have pretty good value. Uh, there's been a lot of players mentioned, um, pretty much like Stone and... Flurry are like the only two guys that I haven't seen. They're pretty locked in in some sort of trade, uh, but it will be very interesting to see what they do. The latest, uh, it started yesterday. Started circulating around Twitter and in a radio interview that Chris Johnson did about of Sportsnet. Uh, yeah, so you know, pretty reliable. Yeah, guy uh, of Pacioretty and Stastny being on the block. Uh, it makes sense. Uh, we have talked a lot about uh, Nikita Gusev potentially. You know. Being part of the team and not really being able to be a bottom six forward, you want to put him somewhere in the top six, and you have to clear up space. Pacioretty, you know, got the big deal last year after trading for him, got injured a couple times, and didn't really look to be at the same speed maybe that uh, he has played at in the rest of his career. So is he losing a step? Do you get value for him? Are you able to get rid of him and, you know, clear up space? I don't. I don't know if it's the best way to go. I certainly don't think it's good for us because he's a very good uh, interview and he's good talking, but that's not what the team is concerned about. Uh, we will see what they do, but I think there's a lot of intriguing possibilities over the next couple of days. Yeah, I just think, you know, as we mentioned, they have to explore basically all avenues at this point because as much as George McAfee has kind of breached, I think, patience with us or at the very least he's projected a sense of calm about like, hey, I'm not worried about the cap. But all of us that are looking at the numbers, at least for this upcoming year, are saying, well, there's a lot to be concerned about. And so it's true. So are they going to have to make a difficult decision? Because, you know, they traded for Pacioretty just a year ago. Are you going to sh- have to ship him out, you know, a year later because you kind of didn't play the cap the right way? That's a fascinating question to me kind of moving forward because they've been so extension happy over the past years in terms of locking up guys like 
Alex Tuck, Shea Theodore, Nate Schmidt. Pacioretty got an extension when he got traded to the Knights. Marc-Andre Fleury was extended last summer. So are any of these and giving these guys raises, you know, maybe a year too early, going to come back to bite them this year? I still get McPhee's point that all these extensions are probably better for the Knights in the long term. Yeah. But this team has the talent to be a serious cup contender this upcoming season. So has he accidentally hamstrung them for next year with all these early extensions? Yeah, and you know, I know people were kind of joking around and you know, around the league yesterday I saw uh, a lot of tweets saying how did they go from taking on a contract like David Clarkson just to try to get to the salary floor to being the highest cap number in the league and over the cap in just two years. And you just kind of explained it. Like they had all these young players that far succeeded, far exceeded expectations. And all of a sudden you need to wrap them, you know, wrap them up in contracts and you look around, you're like, Hey, you got all these guys locked up, which is great, but there's not a whole lot of flexibility. Uh, I think the Knights will take it where they are because they've got a lot of players that they really like, and they've got a team that should contend for a long time. But you do have to kind of navigate around the cap, and it doesn't help when the league doesn't say what the cap is or gives you an estimate that's too high. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Uh, it's it's not it's not helpful. It's so, the day before the draft, and we don't know how much teams yeah. can spend yet. That's yeah. a problem. And so the Knights might be looking, saying like, "How do we have to get rid of one guy, two guys? Should we try to get picks for these guys? Like, what what's going on? We don't know what the number is. It's a very awkward situation for them to be in, and really one that doesn't have to um, didn't have to happen. Like the league, the league doesn't have to do it like this, but. Uh, that's something that could be worked out maybe with the next CBA. We'll uh, we'll find out how, how they work that out. But it's not a good situation for the Knights right now in terms of the cap, but it is a good situation for their roster, and uh, we'll see how things play out. Uh, over the next couple of days, there could be some major, major moves. And I know... I know people don't like that because I, you know, I think you know fans kind of get attached to their players, and uh, they're not used to having major league sports around here. So uh, it's it's a tough thing to deal with when you have to tell your kid, "Hey, your favorite player just got traded." But uh, I think we're gonna have to try to deal with that over the next uh, couple of days, and uh, we'll find out who is still with the Knights next week. Which, speaking of next week, development camp, which will be very mm-hmm. cool uh, out at City National, we'll see whoever these draft picks are, as well as some of the younger players uh, here working out and uh, getting some scrimmages in next week out at city national and uh find out who some of those players are when the draft takes place as we said friday and saturday dave shane's up there so follow him on twitter and at reviewjournal.com for everything that is going on not a whole lot else right now right we're just waiting for uh who the draft picks are and and how free agency shakes out and the trades and everything else um we'll see what they do in the draft but you uh you did not get to go to the charity softball game the other day. I did not. I did. It was uh, it was an experience. VGK versus the Raiders. Uh, got to see a lot of play- like I was very impressed with how bad some of the swings were, but how much power they had. Like they are pro athletes, so even if they haven't swung and their swing looks horrific, there were some guys matching the ball. I saw Jonathan Marshall, nice little home run showing. Yeah, uh, but I thought the most noteworthy. First of all. The Raiders, uh, in a game where each run was worth $1,000 to charity, intentionally walked a player with the bases loaded. It was Jose Canseco playing for the Golden Knights. Intentionally walked him with the bases loaded when the charity gets $1,000 for every run. Respect. I mean, just win, baby. Like that's, that's, the Raiders, <laughs> that's the Raiders' philosophy, but that was a little bit questionable. Uh, Vontez Perfect of the Raiders, uh, who... Clearly looked like he wanted to punch the girl that was pitching during the home run derby. The dude uh, just can't turn it off. She, in in fairness to Vontez Perfect, she was struggling, 
But I also think her struggles had a little something to do with him standing there, like, basically threatening her from home plates. Right. Like, come on, my guy. It's a charity <laughs> softball game. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, Save I'm, it for hard knocks. Save it for the I'm hard knocks I'm kind of with him. I'm, I'm kind of with him because, like, I would be very frustrated if it's a timed event and she can't get the ball over the plate. Like, come on. Let's go. I got I to gotta get some swings in here. Uh, but that was something to notice. But I thought the only real significant thing because it was all fun and games and charity and everything was great uh everybody drinking everybody on the field drinking the uh, revo 75 training day ale uh all the good players were drinking it he was drinking one in his glove in the field that was a good move he had he had a nice open boss move right there Uh, also had one when he was running running the bases at first base uh so everybody was uh, out there sampling but eric howla played again eric howla who missed basically the entire season played and we got to see him test out the surgically repaired knee. So where do we think the Knights actually fell on this when Eric Hollow went up to George McPhee and was like, hey, I want to play in this charity softball game, you know? I don't think they were happy. No, but he, I'll, I'll also say this. Um, I, I, I think this is okay. I mean, on the field, I, I'm kind of debating like what you heard on the field that you can say and can't whatever i was on the field i was standing near eric Halla after he hit his inside the park home run in which he actually got around the bases pretty well after he scored he was kind of walking back to the bench like you know that kind of testing like uh okay i think i feel all right like he, he seemed uh, like he was okay but i did hear him talking to some of his teammates um over on the bench and he said yeah i was i know i was just supposed to hit it get a single and then get a pinch runner I, I don't, you know, I, I just kind of got caught up in the moment. So the plan certainly wasn't for him to try to leg out an inside the park home run. That was just a competitive thing where he's like, I'm going for it. His next at bat, he did stop at first base and which probably could have been a double stopped at first and then had chance pinch run for him, which probably was the better move. I, I would think that they're, mu- they're much more happy with him not running and let probably. chance let chance potentially tear his ACL than uh, Eric Howell get injured again. That's- but uh, he looked OK, though. Hey, good for him, you know, good for him still showing up uh, for obviously a good cause. But, yeah, I have to imagine just George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon are just like clenching their fists as he goes for second on the inside the park. And it's like, third. what are you doing? <laughs> then, oh, you just, dumb the, guy. The run scored was just an extra thousand dollars for charity. So you got you got to do it. If, I mean, the Raiders are going to try to take away money by walking people. Like you might as well try to get the get the money by scoring on the uh, inside the park home run, but that was you know that was a cool event. So if, if for those that were out there, I'm sure you enjoyed it. If you did not get to go, they might try it again next year and uh, maybe put some more restrictions on some of the guys running the bases. But uh, we'll find out how that all plays out. Uh, but the Golden Knights lost in the end. They did tragic. Uh, they did suffer a comeback win. Uh, they blew a lead. Not used to doing that, I guess. But ooh, too that's, soon. That's deep. Too soon. I don't know. We still got the Sharks were booed at the awards last night, so I don't think fans have forgotten. That is true. Uh, but yes, the uh, the comeback for the Raiders, they get the victory. Crowd really didn't seem happy. I, I think the crowd forgot that the Raiders are also a Las Vegas team. Uh, they were very much on the side of VGK and against the Raiders in that game. Uh, other notes that we should uh, get to before we wrap up here. We talked last time we were here about the Chicago Wolves and their run and the Calder Cup playoffs. They fall short lose in the final to the charlotte checkers always always a dangerous opponent the checkers you gotta watch out for those checkers uh, a hilarious bit of uh symmetry here with the uh wolves losing in the first round of the playoffs last year 
making it to the final this year and losing in five games, whereas the Knights made it to the final and lost in five games last year and then lost in the first round this year. Wow. Really weird, you know, overlapping. I don't know what the right word is. You're uh, in vacation pass. mode. You're checked I'm out. A, I'm really about you're, to get checked you're out. You're dreaming about the beaches of Kansas City. Oh, it's <laughs> going to be so great. <laughs> going to get my tan on. I'm going to come back looking so great. I don't think that's true. I don't think there's a possibility of tanning in Kansas City. I could be but wrong. Yeah. Still a great run for the Wolves, uh, even though they fell short. Uh, Charlotte was the best team in the AHL pretty much all year. Finished with the best regular season record. But still, obviously, a great proving ground for guys like Cody Glass, Nick Hag. Who I mean, I talked to them on the phone, specifically Nick Hag, before the final, and they really just seemed to be enjoying that whole experience. And that team really seemed to bond together to go on that run. So I think if you're the Knights, that's only positive. Yeah, I think it's playoff experience. It's not the Stanley Cup playoffs, of course, but it is playoff experience. They, they're they battle-tested. They get extra games. And Cody Glass wasn't up until the very end of the season, so he really didn't get a whole lot of experience at that level until the end of the year. And we'll see how that pays off for him as well. Uh, I think I think it's very valuable uh, the experience that those guys got in in a championship type of setting, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. As we said, uh, last couple of things: free agency about to kick into full gear, and again, we don't know how much room they're going to have under the cap, depending on what kind of trades they can make. Because right now they have no room to really do anything. It's all about kind of figuring out how to restructure with Gusev and Carlson, and figure out how to get there. But there are some guys that we're going to try to find out about soon. Yeah, we got, you know, like I said, William Carlson, restricted free agent. He's probably rubbing his hands together after Kevin Hayes' deal. Nikita Gusev, a restricted free agent. Uh, Jimmy Schultz, who they got at the end of last year as a college free agent. Uh, restricted free agent they need to resign. They've got a couple more restricted free agents like Tomas Nosek, Malcolm Subban that they have to make decisions on. And then, of course, the unrestricted guys. Derek Englund, is he going to play another year? He says he wants to play another year. Will he and the Knights be able to find some sort of agreement? That might be tricky, especially with the cap situation. Same with Pierre-Edouard Belmar, unrestricted free agent. Are they going to have room under the cap to be able to add a fourth-line center? Are they going to have to spend so much money in their kind of probably higher priority areas where there'll be none left over for him? Uh, Brandon Peary, Ryan Carpenter, also unrestricted free agents. We'll see what happens there. It is important to note that even though they are over the cap right now, uh, they've still got David Clarkson's contract, which is $5.25 million dollars. Once they place him on long-term injured reserve, then they can exceed the cap by his cap hit. So they can go over the cap by $5.25 million. That helps. They still have a lot of work to do to be able to probably re-sign all the guys they want to. Yeah, there's going to have to definitely be some some maneuvering uh, and some creativity by uh, the Golden Knights front office to try to get some of these deals done. And we'll see... As you mentioned, I think you know the England situation is very interesting because he seems to want to be here and he seems to want to play again. And I don't know how he fits uh, with the team, especially at his at his contract from last year. So uh, does he take less? How, how do they kind of work that out? And uh, we'll see how this plays out over the next few days, as we said, as we really kick into the offseason for the Golden Knights draft Friday and Saturday. And then free agency and trading season all in full swing after that. And we'll keep you up to date on everything you know here on the Golden Edge. Uh, Make sure you follow Dave Shane. He is up there in Vancouver, which I heard from Ben is not a great place to be in June. He's wrong. It's awesome. Uh, But let Dave Shane know how jealous you are of him being up in Vancouver. David Shane, LVRJ, 
on Twitter and at ReviewJournal.com. Follow all your Golden Knights news. We'll be back again with you very soon. The Golden Edge Podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Stations Casinos. For Ben Goats, I'm Adam Hill. We'll talk to you guys again very soon. Enjoy the draft.